The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. P Nate, Pooty, Garage Mahal, popping off, loving it. Um, and Pooty back in the driver's seat, introducing. That, does that feel better? Last week do, you were a little rattled. Better. It does feel a little better. Rattled. <laughs> you know what it is? Is that like I'm not used to having to talk for like 30 minutes with like just <laughs> explain this without anybody interjecting like challenges. Mm. I think I'm better when like I'm getting cues from like questions, and so I'm like, oh yeah, let me answer that question rather than like. Just putting it all together and, and without, without performing any no- a similar way <laughs> without any notes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. hopefully that was still helpful. Yeah. Though. You did good. Um, you got good feedback. So that's good. All right. We're the rebels. We yeah. The rebels. Uh, we're on the fight, laugh, feast network. Lots of other podcasts on there. Actually, this is a great segue. So let's, we're just going to launch right into it. Maybe today will be a shorter episode because we actually want to encourage you to buy a book. But so we are uh, the rebel podcast. We're on the fight, laugh, feast network. One of the other podcasts on the American side of the fight, laugh, feast network is the theology pug And this was my first introduction to C.R. Wiley. C.R. Wiley, Christopher Wiley, is part of the Theology Pugcast. He's a pastor, and he is also an author, and he's done a bunch of stuff. My first introduction to him was on the Theology Pugcast, and then I went and found his book because I I loved the Theology Pugcast. Which one? So his book is called Household and the War for the Cosmos. Oh, I just ordered that one. That's why I was asking. Yeah, it's a great book. It's not actually his first book. I ended up ordering another one of his, which is called Man of the House. And that one's also very good. But my first introduction to him was on the Theology Podcast. And then, and I liked the podcast, but then I, I really fell in love with him when I read the book, Household and the War for the Cosmos. Household and the War for the Cosmos is phenomenal. It's sort of a primer on households. You probably heard me go on this rant before on the podcast, or if you go to our church from the pulpit or at some sort of teaching thing, that households are not what they used to be. So when the Bible talks about household and household management, it's presupposing that you understand what that household is. The household used to be the place where education happened. It used to be where the elderly were cared for. It used to be the place of commerce and business. It wasn't that people had to go off and go to work at the factory or go to work at the office. People's businesses were conducted at home. And so mom and dad and the kids were very much involved in family business. Fathers were very much involved in the education of children, all that kind of stuff. So the book itself is about households. It's about recapturing a classical household piety. It kind of intermingles the stories of of the house of Abraham and the house of Aeneas. Aeneas, uh, for those who don't know, is the hero of the Aeneid, which is sort of the birth story of Rome. And so Aeneas was a hero in Troy. If you've ever seen the movie Troy or you've read the Iliad, you know that Troy falls through the Trojan horse dupe. 
the Greeks come out of the Trojan horse and lay siege to and open the gates and, and the Greek army is able to come in and, and destroy Troy. Aeneas is fighting for the Trojans. He's a Trojan. He's fighting. And uh, obviously when the city is lost, he goes back home and he grabs up his father-in-law Anchises and he takes his son and his wife and fights his way out of the city. Lots of stuff happens, but the whole book is sort of contrasting that with the household and the origin stories of Abraham and how these uh, the, the paths cross. Phenomenal book. Great, great book. But that's not actually the book I'm trying to get you to, to buy. <laughs> Recently, he came out with a, a sort of, I would say it's a follow-up book, but you read it not having read Household in the War for the Cosmos, and you yeah, still this, loved th- it. This is my first C.R. Wiley book. So yeah. I, I have... Uh, on Audible, I have one of them, and then I have, or no. Man of the House. And yeah, then, like and some, like, some variation of Audible versus physical copies. Uh, but you gave me a copy of Bombadil because yeah. you were reading it, and you were like, you need to read this book. Yes, and, and like, I think I got you a copy even before I finished mine. I'm just like, you got to get this. Yeah. So um, he wrote a book called In the House of Tom Bombadil. I'm sorry for anybody who has not read Lord of the Rings. This episode is not going to be as much fun for you, but... <laughs> Truly, like, shame on you. Why, why <laughs> like, are you listening? What are you, <laughs> like, what's, why, why aren't you reading that right why now? Are you the way you why, are. You, <laughs> why are you listening? Uh, there's that uh, that quote from The Office. Why are you the way you are? I hate so many things about the, the way, way you, you choose are. to be. Um, <laughs> Everybody who has read The Lord of the Rings right now is like Toby. Yeah, basically. that's right. Yeah, you are sure. Toby. Yeah. So turn us off and go read Lord of the Rings. But if you're not going to do that and you're going to keep listening, we will try to make it relevant. There's lots for it. But certainly, if you have read the book, Lord of the Rings, then this book will be much better for you. Yeah. I think you can get stuff out of it, quite frankly, either way, because he introduces the characters and the story and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Th- but there's, a, there's enough quotes for like what he's talking about from yeah. the book that you can you can. He's do not it. presupposing that you have all this knowledge, no. but all that to say, okay, so, and I also am sorry for everybody who's only watched the movies. Tom Bombadil's not in the movies. So yeah, it's one of the many things you lost out on in trying to just watch the movie. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. But you can go, like, I had to do this myself, so I had to go back and read the Bombadil chapters because I yeah. want to be familiar before we, uh, before I was like, I'm going to read a book about them. Because, yeah. like, you know how you're, like, I read Lord of the Rings four or five times, but it's probably been about 10 years since I've read them. Yeah, so I had it, to go back it had been and, a while for me, too. So I had to go back and read it. But there are some YouTube videos as well that I also watch just to be like not narrating but just like who is Tom Bombadil and like kind of doing that I could refresh all the theories and I remember the theory that I had of so that's actually a great question yeah um again I always subscribed that this was Tolkien writing himself into the book clever guy like he writes himself because like none of the things that happen in the book have any effect on him I mean like and so that's just how my mind had always like rationalized it but like Wiley does a good job of kind of like saying that that's not why this is the case. But you're like, wrong, Chris. You're definitely wrong. Yeah. So that's what I thought. I, I think yeah. you thought something different. I, I always thought he was kind of like either a picture of God, right, in Middle Earth. It's the Iluvatar is, is sort of the God figure. And so I always thought it was either, you know, some manifestation of, of the God of Middle Earth or some sort of unfallen Adam, right? Like he, it does seem like when you get into Bombadil's woods, you kind of fall into the Garden of Eden. Wiley talks about that a bit too. So that was always kind of my thought. But but truth be told, like he's introduced fairly early on and then you don't hear about him a whole lot more. Interestingly, Wiley like reminded me of a few of the times that you do hear about him, you know, near or to the end and, and at the end. But 
that I had totally just dismissed or forgotten or like goes one in one ear at the other. But the reality is, is that the action begins to move so quick after they leave the house of Tom Bombadil that it is easy to kind of forget him. And then, you know, people who love the story and or are reading it for an academic reason and have essays to write would go back and analyze. But I, I don't think I did a whole lot of analyzing when it came to Bombadil because I was analyzing the action in, in other ways, right? Because Aragorn and some of these guys become yeah. more predominant figures in the, in the narrative. Okay, so the idea of Wiley's book is that Tom Bombadil, I don't want to like necessarily give everything away, but like I, we are going to spoil some things in the book, like so we're going to give you some, some information, but nothing we're going to say here should detract you from actually reading the book. Like it's just a phenomenal book. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous book. Um, it's probably my favorite book I've ever read about Lord of the Rings, right? And I've read a lot of books about Lord of the Rings. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm pretty harsh at giving reviews on like Goodreads and whatnot. Yeah. This is the only book I've given a five-star review all year to. So like, cause I, and I thought like, and like, obviously he might even hear this. Like that's, it's not just cause we kind of know him a little bit. Like he's yep. been on the show. Like it's because like shameless plug for books. I hate Christian books with a ton of fluff. Yeah. Like where it's just like, you could have said what you said in 50 words versus yeah. 2000. Yeah. I realize we're and on a podcast, like filling up time, <laughs> but, but I mean like, I like when a book's concise, gets to the yeah. point and then just and, moves and on. And it does. And it, like, and exactly. And this book yeah. is, is it even 200 pages? No, like I, 150 maybe. I think it's like 115 or whatever, but like, I think 102 of it is like the actual book. And then there's like the, yeah. the, like, like he, he does it pretty, what, he does it. it. It is concise. It's to the point. It's yeah, exactly. So like when I say that, I'm like, it, it isn't a long read, but it's a deep read. Like, I think you read it back to back. I think you read it, read it twice. Yeah, I actually, um, once I got into like the, the second and third chapter, I actually just reread. So there's a, a chapter called In the House of Tom Bombadil. And I just literally finished the chapter and reread it. I don't do stuff like that. I actually read the book. I literally turned it back to the first page and read it again because I wanted to retain as much of it as, as I could. Because I, I honestly, I think it's that important. Yeah, and I, we'll get into that in a little bit. And like, sorry. so part of the question might be like, why you, if you guys know C.R. Wiley and he's been on the show before, why not get him on and talk about it? Yeah, yeah. We're lazy. We, we actually, <laughs> well, that is part of it. We're just, we are busy. It's hard to like schedule interviews and stuff like that. We do want to get back to that. We used to do a lot more of that in the podcast and we're going to have opportunities, I think, to do that a little bit more because we'll be together a little bit more. Exciting news. Uh, spoiler. Um, but uh, yeah, but part of it, like we just want to talk about it. Like you, I gave you the book and then I'm like, did you like it? And you're like, I loved it. And you and I haven't even really talked about it yet. So no. we're going to kind of just talk about it like Chris and I are going to talk about it. But before we do that, we'll give you a bit of an overview. So why don't you kick it off there, Chris? The Coles Notes premise of the book, trying to spoil as little, is the idea of, I think it's twofold. With the story of Tom Belmota, why did all of the world not affect what is happening with Tom? I think Wiley does a great job of like highlighting the difference between dominion and domination. domination yep. um, and I think that's kind of the overarching view of the book. He does talk a lot about who is Bombadil in the, in the story, but like if you're going in thinking like he's just going to like do analyze a, the literature. Exactly. Not that's that. not what yeah. it's about. It's about the idea of like, why was Tom Bombadil the way Tom Bombadil was like, and then answers kind of like kind of a fun, like Lord of the Rings question. Like, why didn't he just take the ring? You mentioned like oftentimes in Lord of the Rings, they mentioned Bombadil. Like interestingly enough, they mentioned him when the hobbits first meet him. Yeah. 
Then he gets mentioned at Rivendell when I can't remember which character is like, well, why don't we go back and just put it at Tom's house? Yeah. And they're like, no, because Tom would forget about it. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, that's kind of funny. You <laughs> that know is mean? funny, yeah. Obviously, we're going to like get to, I think, what was bo- probably both of our favorite chapters is that like Gandalf, when he's when it's all finished, what he wants to do and yeah. what he wants so to do. So Lord of the Rings, and I want so, you to picture yeah. like, so this isn't just some literature nerd pontificating about cool things in Lord of the Rings because when you get to the end of the trilogy, Gandalf, arguably the most important character, I, you could make your case for Frodo and all that kind of stuff, but Gandalf says at the very end, what are you going to do? Like it all wraps up, the whole trilogy wraps up. What's Gandalf going to do? I'm going to go and have a long conversation with Tom Bombadil. Yeah. He got something we didn't get, yeah, right? So, exactly. Yeah, so I would say it, it, it's good. So the, what's the difference between domination and domineering? I would also say this, I, though it's never explicitly stated, I've told people sort of the big idea of the book is that if everybody in Middle Earth was doing what Tom Bombadil yeah. was doing, then the fellowship was not needed. Kind of the point is, what should we do when the world around us is in chaos? Because the story of Lord of the Rings is the world is in chaos, right? Sauron is back and the world is on the brink of chaos. If Sauron gets the ring, it's over for the good guys, right? And, and we are kind of living at a time when we feel like we're on the precipice of something awful, right? Like bad things are happening. Governments are being turned tyrannical. There's lots of conspiracy theories out yeah. there. There's lots of bad stuff on the wall. So the, the point yeah. is like, what do you do when the world's growing darker? Yeah, exactly. And like in that darkness, like in the Lord of the Rings spoilers, you see the big ally, Saruman, has fallen. You yep. know I mean, he's betrayed. He's been he's been um, corrupted by Sauron. Exactly. He's he's gone. And then the overarching underlying story of, of Lord of the Rings is that the immortal folk, the people who could have done something about this, are abdicating their yeah. their world and they're leaving. They're bolting. They're fleeing. And so like you get this story of like this fellowship of people who are trying to stop evil from spreading they're trying to win back the planet so to speak from darkness with this ring of power this domineering uh idea and like you get the the small group of people who are fighting against this right and i think that's like the and so i and i just want to like especially if you're part of crossroads church i think this will be kind of cool for you but no matter where you are i do want you to think through this like we are living in a time when that summation that chris just gave lord of the rings could not be more relevant So when you think about those in power sort of abdicating their roles and fleeing, right, and not wanting to be a part of the solution and stuff, like we all know we have friends, we have allies who have left, right? They're not standing next to you shoulder to shoulder fighting off the darkness. They've tried to go on to greener pastures. They've in some ways left the fight. And I'm not throwing shade or disrespecting anybody who's chosen that. We have an episode a couple weeks ago that we did called The Case to Not Flee or something like that. that, In other words, stay put and fight. So you have that. And then you have, and I think this is where, where the crossroads analogy comes in. So you have this, this group of sort of ragtag, unlikely allies, right? A, a dwarf and an elf and, and these four untrained hobbits who, who have not known war. And, and you have this group of people that come together as sort of Middle Earth's last hope against the growing darkness. And one of the first things that happens in the story is before the fellowship is even created, right? Because as they were saying, you know, one of the questions at the fellowship is, why don't we just go give the ring to Tom, right? Before the fellowship is even created, the hobbits are on their way and they get lost in the woods and they get basically swallowed up by old man Willow, a big malevolent willow tree. A tree infected with a curse. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good point. So you have the hobbits and they're going through that like their adventure has just begun. At this point in the story, I remember thinking like, 
man, these hobbits are in trouble. Like, <laughs> like they're about to get killed by a tree and we're only a few pages into this book here, right? Like, and so what happens is this, this frumpy, weird, singing, kind of absent-minded guy named Tom Bombadil comes kind of sauntering onto the scene. He sings at Old Man Willow and the willow tree kind of spits up the hobbits. And Tom Bombadil takes the hobbits to his home and in the midst of these nasty, gnarly woods where we've just seen the danger of a tree can snatch you up, let alone any of the other stuff in the forest, you get to this well-kept, well-groomed, beautiful household and land of Tom Bombadil's right in the middle of these woods. And Tom comes in and his wife's name is Goldberry. And she basically says, you know, you're going to be safe tonight in the house of Tom Bombadil. Like here under the roof of Tom Bombadil, you'll be safe. And so the idea here is, is what Sarah Wiley is driving at is that Tom Bombadil knows the difference between domination and dominion, and he has taken dominion. And where is his house situated? It's in the middle of a dangerous forest, and the forest is in the middle of a dangerous land. And so it's not like he's living in the safe, tucked away part of Middle Earth. He's living in a dangerous part of Middle Earth. And yet, the safest place that the hobbits find themselves in the entirety of the trilogy is in the house of Tom Bombadil. Yeah. And so what, what is it that C.R. Wiley is trying to communicate to us through all this? I think Tolkien's analogy is like light in the darkness, right? Like there's yep. a, this land um, that is protected and organized correctly. Ordered. So like it's, it's an ordered house, obviously. And all around that is darkness. The path in is on the in the forest with the trees that can eat you. I can't remember the name of it. And then there's the barrows, which is our yep. rolling hills that we see after the hobbits leave. They get into trouble and Tom has to save them yep. from, from then again because they almost die there too. And so like we get this, like, the hobbits aren't great early, <laughs> in, early in the story. They're not really great the whole way through, to be honest right. with you. But we get this idea of like Tom has a land. He's taken dominion over and he's mastered of it. I think Goldberry uses the word like, uh, like here. Tom Bombadil is master. He is, yeah. he's mastered. Nobody's ever caught old Tom. You know what I mean? Like the idea of like Tom has taken dominion. And I think the picture that we're supposed to see here, and I think Wiley does a good job of like bringing that out. It is like you could read the text of Lord of the Rings and just be like, oh, okay, that's great. In this area that there's nothing wrong. Like, but like the picture that we're supposed to see is that because it's not that Tom is just the steward of this area. We see that later in Lord of the Rings with like the steward of Gondor and he's fallen. He's no longer doing a good job being steward, but Tom is master. He's taken dominion of this area and therefore darkness can't do anything to it. So much so that the most powerful entity, so to speak, yep. which works through the, the ring of power, Tom puts it on. One, doesn't disappear like everybody else does, continues to keep his substance, continues to keep his reality, yep. and laughs at it. Yeah, makes a joke of it. Exactly. Like, this can't this Calls can't it his little me. ring. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I don't, I don't even remember that, but he mocks evil simply because he's taken dominion. There's even like, Wiley does like some interesting stuff that I had never even considered about Goldberry yeah. being like almost like a redeemed water spirit from like folklore of English hillsides where it was like, there's a lot of like talk through his poems that Tolkien wrote about like this is that the idea of Goldberry is like actually a dangerous creature that Tom has also put into dominion yeah. and lives with him as his like I think there's actually helper. a wonderful there could have been a whole chapter there about the importance of husbands learning how to lead strong women 
One of the accusations of conservative Christianity is that it produces weak women, right? Who just want to stay at home and aren't ambitious <laughs> or whatever. They've never met my wife. Well, and that's, mm. and that's my point, right? Is like, and I say this to people all the time. I think one of the things that has made me a better man is learning how to lead a strong woman. When I was reading that, I'm just like, that's exactly what I was thinking about is like Tom has learned how to take a woman with all kinds of power, all kinds of danger, all kinds of, right? But learned how to lead her well. And now she is under his dominion. And I get that, you know, all the feminists are raging, but like, that's what godly women want, right? Is to live fearlessly and safely under the dominion of a strong and godly man. And I think that's the picture you're getting with Bombadil and, and Goldberry. Yeah, and, and Tom has to be master of his dominion. That's right. Like, or else Goldberry would tear him apart. First and foremost, if you want to lead a strong woman, you have to be a strong man. That's right. And like, I'm not talking physical strength. I'm talking spiritual strength. That's right? right. Like, it's shameful when there's a woman that is outdoing her husband, not because of the woman's sin, because of the man needs to be be doing. And I think the picture that we see there with Goldberry and, and Thomas, Thomas taking dominion, but he's also, he's the one that knows the songs. He's the one that protects. He's the one that is doing all those. So that like, she was caught by Tom, but she can't catch Tom clever wording but like the idea there is that like he's always ahead of her right you know what i mean like which is leading her well that yeah. part i think is great of the books so. yeah i totally agree and the thing that you're getting there is this idea that strong men can make themselves a home in a hostile dangerous environment and make it safe right and that's what you see like you were saying between the barons and the and the woods there is tom bombill's home which which it's reiterated over and over and over in the text is the idea that it's safe here, right? Here you're safe. The idea of his domain and his dominion and, and where he's settled, I think one of the things that you're getting here is this idea that the fellowship was necessary because too many Tom Bombadils chose not to lay down roots and take dominion in a hostile world. Instead, they jumped ship, they abdicated responsibility, they fell like Sauron or whomever. And the idea is like, I think, here's the analogy, here's what you jump to, is in a dark world where everything is falling apart, the most godly and responsible thing you can do is take dominion where God's placed you. Amen. Right? And so the idea there is your family ought to be under your caring dominion, right? Your protection, your provision, your stewardship, your discipleship. And there ought to be peace that's been established because of the dominion that you have taken. And I think that the picture that you're getting there is that, yes, when the world falls apart, heroes need to raise up, need to go and take the ring to Mordor or whatever. But if everybody had been doing what Tom Bombadil was doing, then Sauron would not have had any power in Middle-earth. And that's, I guess, the whole point. I think you're bang on because like, even when you read the Lord of the Rings at that point, and, and Wiley talks about this idea of like, throughout the rest of the story, Part of the tension that Tolkien creates is that evil is chasing them. Like yeah. up until that point, like we know that the Black Riders are out there for the Hobbits. They might not be aware of it yet, but we know. You know yep. what I mean? And we also know like, and then post Tom Bombadil's house, we know they're going to Mordor. You know yep. what I mean? They're going into into the war. And the and the point of Tom is that like they don't give him the ring to do it because he doesn't need to do it because he's doing what he's been commanded to do. That's you know right. what I mean? Like he's not been told to take the ring. Frodo was told to take the ring. Um, and so like we get this idea of like Tom, like you said, he's taking dominion of where he was left. Um, and I think there's like something be like a beautiful picture there, which if you liken him, like if you take Tom and then Gandalf, like the idea of like Gandalf clearly has a mission the whole time. But what does he do when he's 
when the mission's over, that's when we get to that last chapter. Let's talk about that a little bit, I think. But yeah. what is that? I'm going to go have a long talk with Tom. What's he going to talk about? Now he's talking about how to live in a world that his mission is like changed. That's right. I mean, how does he stop and rest? And like, because I think one of the things that Tom is picturing to us is how to like take dominion, delight in what God has laid before you. He That's delights right. in his wife. He yeah. like, um, he, cause I think he sings a song about how beautiful she is. You know what yep. I mean? Like he, he's taking dominion. He's, but like everybody in that household knows the role. Like she has washing day, like, so yeah. like, but, and he's telling the stories to the hobbit. He's making the food, you know what I mean? Like what's happening. But then Gandalf, who's throughout the whole history of the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings, he's running back and forth the whole oh, time. Oh man, right? you get the impression that he's just going everywhere, right? Exactly. There's even like he goes off places, and you're like, I don't even know where he is, but it's somewhere important. It sounds great, but he comes back, and when he's finished, what does he do? He goes and talks to Tom about how to rest in the story, what Tom has created, but like really what God has created, right? Like, yeah, that's right. Um, and I think that's a beautiful picture of how we should live. We all have a tendency to want to be, to want to be Frodo. You know what I mean? Like, or like to put it biblical, we all want to be David. We aren't David. You know what I mean? Jesus was David, like not literally, but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like what we need to do is know how to be Tom in all of our circumstances, which is, I think what you said, right? Like you want to have evil not prevail against your household, take dominion of of it. You know what I mean? Run it well. Yeah. So you not want the evils of a dark and growing increasingly dark world to, you know, take root is take dominion of what God's put right in front of you. Right. One of the fundamental things that I think Christians need to remember about what taking dominion looks like is taking dominion always looks like inside out, right? It always starts inward and always goes out. I think weak men grasp for power, right? We see this with Saruman, right? You see he doesn't have what he wants and so he grasps for more power. But what you have in terms of the kind of dominion God has called you to take, like Adam's job was not to go everywhere in the world. He was to be fruitful and multiply so that his seed spread all over the world. Like he's not called to go there. Somebody else is called to go there. And, you know, and so the idea here is that you be faithful with what God puts right in front of you. And, And when I think about taking dominion, I think about what is God placed in front of me? Where do I work? Where do I live? What family has God given to me? What friends has God given to me? Just start in those four different spheres. You think, well, what is the responsibility that you have for the widow who lives three doors down from you who can't shovel her driveway because she's getting old and she doesn't have anybody to help her? Whose responsibility is that? No, it's not her responsibility. It's your responsibility because God is calling you to take dominion in your neighborhood as well. And so you are responsible for everything that God has placed in front of you. Now, you ought not to go and start trying to take dominion and and spread your influence into other homes if your household's not in order. But that's the whole point. It works from the inside out. Self-governance, right? Mm -hmm. Family governance, and and it works its way out. So I think what we get from Tom is this idea that Tom... And I love that phrase that Goldberry says, like, no one's ever caught old Tom. Like, you just get this sense as you're reading about Tom Bombadil, the guy's never been afraid in his life. Just nothing is a threat to him. That's the idea that when you are calm, collected, you know your role, you're living out your role, you're taking dominion where God has called you to take dominion, there's an absence of fear and anxiety and worry. And I think that that calmness spreads out into the people that are also that you're called to take dominion with right or over i think we see that too with the white sorry like like a barrow white or whatever it's called and then the old man willow when that's right how does tom defeat those things he just sings to them but like the premise is that he knows the code you know what i mean like his calmness he's not freaking out he's not hacking it with a hammer he's rebuking it and so like 
I think Tolkien very clearly is trying to teach us, like, obviously Tom knew the songs, he knew the word. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, and right. he's pushing back the darkness because he knows the his, word. The word. I think it's very overt that yeah. like, everybody knows Tolkien. I was say a that, but I was mean? like, but like, I didn't see it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I first read it, well, obviously I wasn't even a Christian yeah, yeah. when I read it. I had no idea. But I think that's the point is that Tom, like, yeah. there's that whole chapter while we didn't even really talk about like nonsensical words that came out of Obama like and he talks about like seemingly seemingly nonsensical yeah yeah. exactly but but like those words seem to have very great power in like like the ring doesn't affect him he tosses out the evil spirit and then the tree that swallows humans just or like swallowed the hobbits spit them all up just because Tom knew the nonsensical words right the idea is like well that means they're not nonsense and so like what is he trying to say he's like well I think very clearly like Jesus is like messages like man doesn't live by bread alone, but that's by the right. word of God. Right. And I think that's the point is like the man who has an ordered house lives by the code. And, and the, it's and almost the, that house built on the rock mentality, right? Ab- like, abso- yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And that's why he can subdue the dangerous Goldberry into like a life, like an immortal life of love. And, and like, cause like Tom's immortal, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's, he, they talk about the idea Tom has been here before Longer. the elves yeah. and like, he's going to be there be there after and like interesting enough also like when the elves and all that i'm a super big lord of the rings nerd so when all the elves and gandalf and the frodo and all them sail off to the other uh, side there's no mention of bombadil going with him bombadil stays exactly where he yeah where he was there's no need even though the age has changed which is again another brilliant picture of the man who's built on the code is unchanging is on is basically unmovable by the ages of man right so good so good so good Go buy the book. Read the book. Read the book. I'll reach out to Chris and get him on the show sometime. He's a good guy. I'm Chris. And yeah, CR, CR. <laughs> I just like um, Yeah. But definitely read the book. His first one, Household in the War for the Cosmos, is definitely worth it too. And uh, Man of the House. We love the guy. But this is a brilliant work and I think a very timely work. Yeah, shameless plug for myself here. I plan out my reading about two years in advance. So like <laughs> I know what I'm going to read in 2025 right now. So like because I've, I've listed out because I know how, how fast I read and how much I can get through. Both of Wiley's books were on my list because I know like like you've spoken highly of them. And so they're both on my list. But like, you know, I don't generally like, oh, I get, they just get added to the bottom. I move them both into this year because I'm like, well, I love this book. So therefore, I'm going to love the other two, other yeah. two books. Again, not a shameless plug at a guy we kind of know a little bit. I'm always impressed when a book is concise, but le- leaves me like, I want to talk about this more. Yeah. The postscript alone. So like the book finishes and then there's yeah. like basically an epilogue. That alone is worth the 15 bucks or whatever the book costs. I don't need, I didn't buy it. So like yeah. um, you yeah. bought it for me. So, um, but like, <laughs> it's um, a beautiful book too. Eh? Oh, it's like, a good yeah, book. It's, it's a good book. That alone is worth, is yeah. worth the price of admission. I read a lot. And truth is a lot of books I read them. Like it was good. I learned this two things. Whereas this book, I'm like, I'm even struggling to think of like all the things I, I was like, that's interesting. Cause what it really did, I think this is the brilliance of the Bombadil book. Isn't simply that he answers the question. Cause I don't actually think he gives a decisive this is who Tom is. But what he did is he just sparked all the conversation. Like we've talked about today and obviously we've talked about it previously, just the idea that like almost the general equity of, of what he's mm-hmm. talking about with like Tom Bombadil. I suspect five years from now, we're still going to be like, you know what I was thinking about with like this thing from that book. And yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's a unique yeah. thing. We very rarely plug anything on our podcast. We're plugging this book. Like if you don't own it, buy, it, buy it and like, Support them. Yeah. it's worth it. I even gave him a review on Goodreads. There you go. Go read Chris Poot's uh, review on uh, on Goodreads of it. If this episode hasn't uh, convinced you enough. All right. Great book. Go get it. And in whatever sphere God's placed you, go take dominion like Tom. Go be like Tom. Mm-hmm.